Hello, and welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. We're bringing together the best gaming leaders from across the Nordic region to discuss industry passion, challenges, and ideas. My name is Melanie, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the gaming industry. Today, I'm joined by Mari, Garnet, and Naomi. Uh, but before we get cracking, uh, let's just work our way around the room with some introductions. Uh, Garnet, if you want to go first for me. Hello, everybody. I'm Garnet Lee, and currently I am the Portfolio Manager at Amplifier Game Invest. Prior to this, I was a scout at Raw Fury among my many hats. Nice. Mari? Hi, everybody. I'm Mari Valgren. Uh, I'm the Development Director at Moonloot, which is a Netflix game studio. And my background is uh, 15 years uh, working, uh, also wearing many hats uh, as a producer and game designer. And Naomi? Yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, really nice to to be here. I'm a bit starstruck. Uh, I used to be a producer at Kind of Brave and just recently switched over to being a technical lead. I have a background in game design and um, doing a bit of everything here and there. So I love everything gaming and see where it takes me. Lovely. So now that we know who you guys are, um, let's move on to the topic that we've got today. So Everyone has a question on making a good pitch. So as we how we usually do it, uh, we walk around the room, um, ask each of you to pose your question and also the context behind it. And then everyone will have the opportunity to give their take on the situation. Um, so let's start with Naomi and your question, please. Great. Thank you. So my question is, what are some common mistakes or pitfalls that game developers often encounter when pitching their games? And how can they be avoided or overcome? And the reason I asked this is because so many times I've noticed a specific thing myself, uh, especially that a lot of the times, like the theme or mood is being presented, uh, but I still don't really know how to play your game or what do I actually do? Um, what is it about more than the story or, you know, a nice setting, uh, which is what made me think of this question and how come that happens so much, or at least in in, in my experience, it happened a lot when I was at, at uh, places where we were pitching or being pitched to. And uh, yeah, that's why I have this question. So it will be interesting to hear your idea about it. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Uh, we can start with Marie, maybe. Thanks, Naomi. Great question. And uh, uh, I would say uh, the number one thing, in my opinion, and I'm really curious to hear what what do you both uh, feel are the pitfalls. But the number one thing is uh, definitely uh, related to what Naomi said. So context uh, and clarity. 
what's the context of the meeting? Uh, what's the focus of the uh, meeting where the pitch is happening? Is it in the finances? Is it in the user experience? Is it in the uh, design? Is it about uh, uh, meeting the team, uh, getting to know them, uh, making sure there's a great fit? So uh, what this usually results into, if there's no uh, clarity for both the presenter and the audience, uh, what, what this meeting is about, that the uh, presenter is going to do a death by PowerPoint, 100 page long pitch deck, which uh, covers absolutely everything, unnecessary amount of information, or then uh, the, uh, comp- the pitch is just uh, completely off uh, on the topic, what the audience was actually expecting to see. Uh, so this is really common. I, I think it's the number one thing that's uh, happening out there. And well, frankly, the best way to avoid this is to actually agree on, on the context of the meeting. Make sure that both parties are aware on what we are discussing today. And remember, these meetings are usually pretty short. Uh, so might be only 30 minutes, might be um, an hour, hour and a half. So uh, it's just best for everybody if uh, you know you can get straight to the point. Great points. Uh, I hope I won't be discouraging. I mean, this is a tough uh, question to start off with for any developers listening because it's right <laughs> off the mat. What are you doing wrong? So I want you to be, I want to encourage you that the, that the takeaways here are to really help you improve because uh, I want to burrow into a couple of really specific ones. Uh, and the first one is be really well aware of what you do well as a game developer and what you're looking for from your partner that you're pitching to, if it's an investor or a publisher, like they know business. Uh, so, you know, I find it's, it's funny when, you know, like we get into a pitch and very quickly and I'm like, and our title is going to be $24.99 and it's going to be coming out on PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. And of course, you know, those business cases, each one of them have a whole set of uh, factors that go into the decision-making process of where you're going to land. What's the price point for this game going to be, Will? It depends on what the market is, where the comps are, how we all the whole number of factors about community. Very large picture, and it also fits into the business planning that your publishing team would be doing. And really, you can rely on them to do those things. Uh, at the same time, uh, you want to stick to, to, don't get too far pulled away. I think sort of what you were saying, right? Don't get too far pulled away from, show me what the game is. You know, uh, I need to see the hook. I need to be like really quickly captured. I think that uh, the value of a really great prototype cannot be underestimated. At the same time, uh, you'll hear different things from different publishers. But uh, if you're thinking that you need to be in final visual form, I'd question how you're going to even know what that is, If even if you're only on an 18-month development cycle, because where you are today is going to be very different. So be be ready and willing and open to feedback uh, on all the pieces of your development and and be focused on what you know how to do best and push the business piece to the people you're talking to. Yeah, really awesome answers. And yeah, there's so many um, ideas and I get people are excited, but just being aware of who you're pitching to, why, uh, what's the most important to... Uh, convey um, is is really important so you don't talk about anything or you know nothing that they really need to know um, and as I said for me it was a lot about I didn't really understand a lot of the times what the game was actually about so I don't know how you could sell it to me since 
well, I, I know pretty pictures and yeah, they're lovely, but I don't know if I will like the game or not. So I'm not going to spend any money or, or uh, get hyped if I don't know what I'm getting hyped over. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of things to think about when, when pitching, but just knowing that the studio or whoever's pitching know their core game and what they're talking about. Uh, so, you know, you can kind of realize what they're trying to achieve, even though it might not be finished, but you understand the core game and what they're trying to to reach. Uh, and that should be enough because then you, you understand the idea and then you can look past placeholders, whatnot. But just understanding the core idea, uh, it's such a huge difference. That is, that's really key, I think. And, and sort of building on what you're saying, there's not only understanding the core idea, but also as developers showing us that you understand what your finished game is going to look like, that you understand what it's going to take to make it. And, you know, another key mistake is not showing a good production timeline. Now, I don't need to get down into Gantt charts. What I do need to see, though, is that you understand what the production cycles are going to be for your game, when you're going to need that extra environmental artist, when you're going to need that VFX artist, when you're going to need additional QA support. Because, you know, we're going to have a relationship of some degree. It's going to be different with investors and with publishers. I'll speak from the publisher. So we're going to have a relationship where we're working with you and trying to ensure that your team is able to meet uh, the, the end result of delivering the gold master in time to be hardened and put through TNCs and like ready to go to launch. And along the way, we have a pretty good idea from having done this before, what that takes. And the more able you are to show that you have that ability, uh, including having a producer on board or knowing when you're going to have some production support to run the trains and get them to the station at the right time, the better. Don't forget that part. Don't be overly in love with just the design piece. You still got to make the game. Yeah, that's a good, good point. And also, um, like if you feel that you are kind of like biased with your own pitch, you think that, hey, this is the greatest idea ever, like this is going to be a slam dunk. It's it's always good to validate that with somebody uh, who doesn't know anything uh, about your idea or your game, uh, because uh, uh, you've been, you know everything, every single thing about your the thing that you are doing. And uh, um, you might assume that uh, it's clear also for the audience. But uh, it, it, it would be a good idea to test um, your uh, presentation or your pitch, maybe with an internal employee who doesn't know anything about the idea you're uh, about to present. And they might point out uh, well some of the uh, clarities. And uh, of course, I try to find people who are qu quite close to the audience that you are actually going to present the idea to. Yeah, yeah. I remember the trying to drill us as hard as possible in... Uh in school, game design school, and they're like, you have to know where you're going. They're, they're going to want to know that you can stick together as a team. They're going to, you know, that you know your goals and um, have an idea of how to get there and uh, not just, you know, it's for fun. We'll sort out the rest later because it's, it's an investment. And uh, yeah, if it goes wrong and they feel like they can't trust you, it's going to be really bad <laughs> for everyone. So just feeling that you, well, have your team, your your stuff put together, so you know what your your goal is and how you're gonna approach or reaching those goals, then that helps a lot. 
Yeah, and, and if you get criticism or questions, take it as a positive. So now you have a to-do list, actually, of the items you can address, so the items that you can clarify. So uh, maybe this is also a great advice to um, somebody who's listening to these pitches. Uh, it's very valuable uh, to give some feedback afterwards. Like what was unclear, uh, what the uh, team could do better. Yeah. Uh, and and just remember... Feedback. Sorry, go ahead. When you're getting feedback, that means that you've at least got their attention, right? It means you. It means that they're in the moment with you. You've, you. It means you got past the first part of the pitch, and people are paying attention. So, really listen and dial into that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I just remembered uh, a few times there's been people actually like asking questions when they're doing a pitch, like, "What do you think the audience would want to see?" or "How do you think uh, which approach would be the best?" And that's not really a place to be asking questions, according to me, at least. Because um, if you want to do some research, I mean, that's fine. But and maybe do that beforehand so you don't do it in a pitch, because that would make me feel like you're not secure, like um, like you're not knowing what you're talking about or feel secure about your product or or whatever it is. So that would make me a bit wary or, um, yeah, worried. I that agree it. with you about that. I would definitely agree I, with you about that. But I think there's two sorts of questions because if if it is sort of a, a flag to be asking questions about design direction, and, and just as a quick aside, one of the reasons that we scouts are worried about that is because we don't want to get in a situation where we're giving you some feedback and you go away and tune the game and come back and say, well, I tried to do, I, I did this, I added the sticky grenades and the stealth mode. Do you like it now? Because then you're chasing my game and I'm chasing, we don't even know what's being made. So that's, that's really, that's a, that's a terrible spiral to get into. But the good questions to ask are about what you need to have as support from your partner, right? Is because one of the great things in the indie sphere is that, I mean, most of us on the publishing side, we don't expect indie developers to be a, a full stack house, right? I mean, you're going to have areas of expertise and areas of deficiency. And if you are already really self-aware of that and able to ask questions targeted to that, you know, they could be as direct as, you know, would you guys be able to help us in supporting finding a uh, freelance rigger to help with our character animation? I would, if I'm a scout and I hear you say that, I'm like, cool, at least they know, they know what they need and then we can research our networks and see if we can help you with that. But if you're sort of flying blind again, then we're going to be worried. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. There are obviously questions I was really good to ask because then I understand that you know what your limitations are or that you're, you know, I, all the cards are on the table. They're, you're not trying to hide anything and it's not, uh, but yeah, just... I guess I specifically meant regarding the design and yes, things like totally. that. Yes, totally. That's, I'll agree. Yeah. That's a weird place to, to ask those questions. Do you think we should have a jump? Should I be able to crouch? Should I, what do you think um, this uh, game should be about? <laughs> oh, help. Well, it has happened, but it, it's a good thing to take into consideration. You might, might feel like you're opening up. Um, and a lot of indie studios have started talking to their audience, you know, when they're doing um, crowdfunding and whatnot. But that's in a big planned and regulated way and not when you're trying to yeah. sell your game or idea in, in the same sense. Um, because you're on the head of a really interesting game design discussion there, which is, you know, in the in the sort of modern social media collaborative Twitch streamer uh, discord community space that we live in 
at what where's the dividing line between creators uh design crystal ball that they have crystal shard they have to keep you know this is not touchable and the pieces that are but i really want you to play my game and you know how do we find that line that line is not meant to be found in a pitch yeah yeah exactly one one more thing so it's it's okay to um not know everything but it's not okay to say to every single pitch question i don't know uh, at least uh, make sure that you uh, do follow up. Uh, you uh, take note and uh, say that I'll find out. Um, I'll get back to you. Um, we can validate this in this this or that way. But uh, just like don't out flat say I don't know. Yeah, I was just going to jump in and just ask because um, you said uh, Garnet about having like some idea as to like what you're going to need in terms of resources in the future and stuff. How? How easy or difficult is that when you're pitching your game? You may not know exactly, you know, how much money you're asking for. It doesn't mean that's the amount of investment that you're going to get. So how specific do you need to be in terms of, right, I'm going to definitely need two VFX artists, three producers, one programmer. Like how, how specific are you expected to be in your pitch? I would say that I would expect you to demonstrate that you've done that degree of work, but I don't need to see it unless I feel that you haven't done it. So by that, I mean, I would expect you to say that in the full production swing mode, we're going to need, uh, you know, a 2D, we're going to need a part-time 2D artist. We're going to need uh, this amount of VO work and we're going to outsource that. And we're going to need, uh, 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 like I said, an environmental artist and, and one, uh, one animator. Because if you don't have that degree of specificity already, I guess what this really speaks to, Melanie, maybe what you're asking could be rephrased as how closely do I think you need to have your game scope when you pitch it? And my answer to that would be, I expect it to be very, very clearly scoped because if it's not clearly scoped, I can't put a clear budget against it. If it can't put a clear budget against it, then I can't do any sort of market estimation. And that's going to drop you out of the scout consideration. Yeah, so you, so you, so you even need to be specific as to whether you want full time, part time, or contractors. You need to really have a good idea of that, and you also need to have done enough homework to understand what the cost per man hour is going to be, you know, or man month, depending on how much of a estimation you're making. You really need to have those pieces down, and then what, to to that end, you ought to also have been talked about, thought about, you know, what are my seat licenses going to be? What's my office overhead going to be? Like uh, that budget piece is, is actually very important because that's where we're going to be basing our assessment of whether or not we can fund the game off of. And you don't want to wind up short. And we definitely don't want to want you to wind up short because coming back for an extension or an increase is always, is always, it is right off the top hitting up back, you know, cutting away at the return that we were expected. If we were expecting your game to do, you know, X amount of dollar in revenue. And we, that's what we were putting our projections against. Then, as soon as we start adding more money against the bottom of it, we're losing what that projected uh, what the projected net would be. Yeah, no, fair enough. All right, cool. Um, let's move on now to Marie's question, Dave. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so uh, I chose a question that uh, is not only something that uh, maybe I've struggled with before, but which I thought that is uh, pretty common for um, also other teams who are doing uh, pitches for their concepts or prototypes. Uh, so my question uh, to you both would be that um, uh, as usually these pitches, uh, which are um, um, presenting early ideas, art, content, uh, th this, um, these things can result in the audience getting distracted 
and really commenting on the unfinished work and not focusing on the on the big picture. So um, how have you handled this uh, while you have been, might, might, might have presented unfinished work or maybe on the other side, like when you see uh, unfinished work, what, what would you say like is the sweet spot for uh, presenting uh, concept art uh, content that is still unfinished? Uh, Naomi, would you like to start? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. That's a great question and a really difficult one. I think a lot of people have been struggling with because uh, especially when when you have like early access and things like this, uh, you want to show off the game and get feedback quickly, but you don't want to get for people to get the wrong idea or think that oh, is this is what it's going to be or misunderstand the level of finished work you have right now, and um, it's really. Yeah, to balance. And I think um, a really important thing is to set the correct expectations, like for naming demos. And uh, I know a lot of the times if you have open beta testing, a lot of studios do more polish than the internal open beta would be, or beta testing would be. Um, so it, I think it's about understanding um, whoever's going to play your game at what stage uh, and focusing on getting the expectations correctly by naming, et cetera. Uh, and marketing can be good at helping if you're a studio and have a marketing team and maybe and just, okay, what do other people um, name their, their this stage uh, when they talk about it outwards or, um, and yeah, just, um, yeah, it's a really difficult question. I've been thinking about it a lot, but it's, yeah, I think balancing a lot and not not showing too underdeveloped things either. It has to be able to sell the idea so that it will be clear to me as a player that what we're trying to get, but obviously this is a placeholder. This is not saying you should use placeholders in, in demos, but uh, so that it, that I can understand that it's not super... Um, this is not what we're aiming for, like the final art or whatever it could be is not going to look like this. Um, so yeah, I think the communication and how you, how you sell it, talk about it, uh, present it, it can help a lot. But other than that, I, it's a difficult question. So I don't think I have too much more to add. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. About Garnet, uh, what are your thoughts? I, I know it's a tricky question. I wish we all knew. But I like it. That that makes it fun. Maybe if it wasn't tricky, we'd just be bored. Like, this is. It, I think the fun of this is that it, it it really is so contingent on the audience. So, you know, Naomi was speaking a lot to uh, what's really interesting about the current state of development, which is that we have a lot of this like open window development. We have a lot of developers, especially working through early access, who might even have foregone uh, a traditional pitching project process and have brought their game into a market, uh, either there or, or particularly if you go to like HIO. And and there, what you would be looking for as a developer, I think is different than what you'd be looking for pitching to publishers. And so I'll, I'll put a pin in the publisher piece for just a second and talk about the public facing piece. The public facing piece, you only get really one chance to bring your game in front of the public so especially in a space where there are so many streamers and YouTubers and, and visual ways to see the game, 
be very mindful of putting something in front of the audience that doesn't meet your own internal uh, bar for what your visualization wants to be. You can always go, sure, you can always go back and clean things up some. Uh, you know, there's certainly been cases of that. Deep Rock Galactic did it, uh, and they have enjoyed tremendous success. They're also five years in, uh, and they also could be considered an edge case. So I'd be at least mindful of having a clear, creative vision for your visuals. That's a key piece, which well, we'll move over to the publisher side, and there's no clear agreement here. So from uh, conversations with fellow scouts in the industry, I don't have a real good answer for you as developers. Uh, at Raw Fury, like I said, you know, we're, we're almost nervous if you show us too much final art because the worry would be, why are, you, why are you investing polished art time on something that you don't even really know what the final is going to be yet? I'm much more concerned about do you have a clear visual direction in your concept art? So some great character studies, environmental studies, those are key. And then a good old-fashioned mood board. I, you know, it's some it's sometimes the simplest tools are the ones that work the best. So those in combination, and like I said, I want to really drive this point home, is with a great prototype. And that prototype, I mean, I play prototypes that are in primitives because what I really want in the prototype is to understand. What is the minute-to-minute game loop that you're aiming for, and can you achieve it? I'll take it down to the most basic level. If you played Dark Souls, all I needed in Dark, you know, all you needed would have needed to sell me Dark Souls would have been a combat scenario with a with your with your standard. You could have just stolen the character out of the Unreal Store or wherever, put a stick in his hand. But as long as when I'm moving the controller around, that stick's responding in the way I'm expecting, and I'm getting an idea of how physical you want those impacts to be that's going to click for me then i'm going to look at your concept art then i'm going to look at your viz and i'm going to like okay next place i'm going is right over to your production plan and seeing if you understand how to make it that's great uh, uh great um answers and i i totally agree um again like uh, there's no one uh, probably a correct answer here but uh, I would caution uh, everybody to think that once you put something out there you can't take it back anymore so uh, whatever, uh, for example, you release to the audience, uh, it's going to influence them and their first impression. So really think that do you need to release um, some really early rough uh, sketches or concept shots if you are not happy with them or if they don't serve a purpose. Uh, the other thing to uh, speaking maybe to publishers, making a pitch deck, uh, same thing. Um, it's uh, more important, but uh, what Garnet here mentioned to just get the idea, get the idea of the fun, uh, keep things maybe more on the rough side. Um, you use full charts, uh, use uh, mood, mood board images, and, and not kind of like either under promise or over promise with the visuals, because the visuals are not really like the key selling point um, in many times. Um, so um, let's just be considerate. Uh, of course, uh, don't forget the, the, the art side of things. Uh, make sure you have a plan for them too. But uh, just be mindful when you do push uh, something out there. Uh, is it something that's really going to serve a purpose or not? Yeah, it's really tough. I, I mean, the, I would love that you had this question because I now I flip it around the other way and, and I don't know what to tell a developer who is in front of a publisher that wants to see more detailed visual representations. And I sort of understand it because you also need to convince us that you can achieve the visual target. Uh, the other problem is, though, that the, the 
the further it's sort of an uncanny valley almost the further you develop your art that you're showing me as in-game assets the more i'm questioning whether or not they're actually good enough to be final game assets so unfortunately the answer for developers out there is you're going to have to find the way that works best with your pitch with your game if your game is art intensive then maybe it is worth going into maya and work whipping some stuff up but if not maybe you know, you, who knows? Maybe you need to go to Blender and add, go to town with some few pieces to show me some stuff. Uh, but if you're not, if, you know, if that's not your main selling point, or if you feel like you've really nailed it with the with the creative elements, then don't carry it so far that you check yourself into jail. Yeah, and, and this like hearing you talk about it makes my producer Naomi inside <laughs> of me thinking about it as well, and. We had a lot of discussions uh, regarding um, like pre-production phase, then production and what's expected in each phase um, and what the milestones are. And just we were trying to, you know, get, get up some common ground so we know that we're talking about the same thing. And we were having a lot of discussions about pre-production and the early stages because for me uh, as a producer, it's important that I know that you kind of have your skeleton down because this, it needs to be done before you start the production. And you can't, you know, continue to figure out what the game is going to be along, along the path like that uh, gift of, of uh, I think it's Tom and Jared, they're laying the tracks as the train is, is speeding ahead. And that's kind of the scenario that you create if you don't have your skeleton done and it could be, uh, naming conventions uh, are different but it could be um vertical slice uh proof of concept whatever you want to call it as long as you agree on on if you're a publisher and a studio for example that you agree what it means um if you're already working together uh and just for me it's important that i know that the studio knows that the, have their core idea because that's what they're going to build upon later on so I know there won't be any questions regarding the the structure, like the basics. Then obviously things change with details and whatnot, but just just really knowing that you have have the core down is uh, is important. And then once you've sold that to me, I don't worry too much about you know small details or you're gonna have your that nose on that character like that. Uh, I mean that doesn't make too doesn't bother me too much if you're trying to figure out the tiny details but yeah just showing showing the skeleton or what you want to call it is uh so you sell the idea that that will help a lot i, I totally agree and uh you made a great point about pre-production and um um also like um teams may be forgetting that even the best looking concept shot uh doesn't mean that you can actually make the game look like that so a pre-production yeah. is the perfect time to actually establish the art pipeline, um, make sure that uh, you have the art budget in place, you have the team to uh, do the art. And then that's a great way to explore, actually, what's what's the visual target that we are going to do, even with a small portion of the game. Uh, just polish it uh, to the max that you can. And uh, I, I love it when my, my team <laughs> always tells me that, hey, remember, Mari, uh, art is like a moving goalpost. Like the art, art can never be finished, fully finished. So there's always room to improve. And that, that's also good to keep in mind. 
you can always, uh, you know, tweak that during production, make things that um, make things look cooler. Uh, but just make sure that you have a solid base. Yeah, I think that's really good advice, especially the pre-production piece. You know, rather than seeing completely finished elements, if you can show that you have your workflow figured out, that's going to be a real confidence builder. If I can see, oh, this is how we're going to. Uh, this is how we're going to conceptualize model characters and then bring them into the game. And here's our whole pipeline. We got it all figured out. That's going to be confidence inspiring. Here's how we're going to create all the furniture for our levels and bring them in, bring those furnishings in. And here's how they're going to be objects in place. And we've got our whole surfaces. We've got everything figured out. That'd be, that would be great. Uh, more than more than seeing a couple of pretty pictures or a couple of pretty renders. And your point was really good too about not, don't spend too much time, you know, getting everything polished in a small piece because that's just going to be it's going to feel unnecessarily in early stages because that might just as well get thrown out when you're you know when you're getting down to the nitty-gritty and start actually working on your concept so that's also that could be a bit of a warning obviously you want to show something really nice but the the timing for that could maybe be later on as you say Uh, and i i can feel this so much. You feel like you're never done and you can always make it prettier and you want to show your best sides. But there's always this weighing of time versus, you know, can be productive, but you can't spend too much time on on getting stuck on small details. Marty, this is why your question was so good because the answer is it's uh, somewhere in between here and here. And it's a podcast. It's a (laughs) podcast, so I know you can't see those and that's exactly the point. It's somewhere between here and here. So just listener wherever you imagine those points are that's where the answer is it's it's in there somewhere (laughs) yeah nice all right let's move on to got it now and your question please all right so uh this question has come uh also as you heard about different ways that scouts look at pitches and it'll be great to hear uh, what you guys think are some of the unique ways that you uh, scouts look at pitches and the important piece for this would be how can a developer be nimble in making their pitch tailorable to fit those different audiences. But I guess we'll let uh, Mari start. That's a great question. And uh, uh, well, um, I haven't been like scouting that much. Um, maybe the closest that I get here is um, reviewing vendors, uh, reviewing partners that we could uh, work with. But really like I'm looking for a match uh, in a tone uh, that they are portraying and uh, where uh, we are also coming from, like I say, as a company um, or companies. So um, uh, it's it's important that the um, other person has done their research and uh, they do respect uh, our audience, uh, what we are looking for, and really they've understood also uh, what uh, what is going to be the partnership together. And uh, um, is, there, is there a match there? Um, on the other side, when I've been pitching to like branding partners, uh, third-party platforms, IP stakeholders, and so forth, uh, it might be the, a similar idea or a similar type of a game that uh, multiple uh, people from different companies will see. Uh, but there, I've always thought, uh, okay, like uh, where can I customize, uh, make sure that uh, we really um, portray uh, the pitch uh, that fits uh, the audience. Like, for example, uh, can we include their logo, their platform information, uh, their uh, particular UX uh, information about the tech that is relevant to the bar- party, the party that we are pitching to. 
and, and also making sure that I've done the demographic research and I uh, present uh, the fit uh, for the company that I'm, I'm pitching to. And the timeline, production details, they are always crucial <laughs> to, to everybody who, who cares about uh, actually delivering things. So uh, just making sure that the deliverable plan and the production plan is all, also good and um, um, that uh, it, it fits, fits both parties well. Yeah, the research piece is, is super valuable, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's almost I would say like number one. No, 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 the person who you you are going to talk to. <laughs> Dami, how about you? Yeah, I agree. There's always some unique cases where it's been you should know who you're talking to. So maybe don't pitch a mobile game to you know uh, PlayStation or <laughs> uh, such things. So. Um, Research, like you're saying, um, a lot of the things we were looking at at Kind of Brave is, uh, or a few to mention, is that we actually align because we were very focused on, uh, well, people, player, and planet. Uh, obviously, there's a meaning to that. So you d- maybe we would want to go ahead um, with someone who is, you know, um, making a game about taking over. Uh, some inhabitants murdering them or, you know, something that does just not feel like us and uh, yeah, completely unlike anything other that we would have brought on board. So for the studio to know who they're pitching to and yeah, do your research from that part because that will make life so much easier. And from the publishing parts, it's, well, obviously we're going to look at what type of game, what type of studios, your values, um, your planning skills, um, just to make life easier. I mean, there could be some examples that are, we hardly had the time. I mean, there's there could be so many applications. So just going through them all is going to take a lot of time. So if there's someone who obviously haven't done their homework, uh, that's a quick no. So you won't even get the chance. Um so really think about from the studio side or, or developer side, who you're pitching to and what could be important to them and then try to show up that, those things first. So you get a fair chance and the the publisher will actually take on and, and, and look at your things. Um, and yes, we mentioned before when it comes to pitches from, well, the scar- scout point of view, I guess it's also just, is this viable? Um, are you living on earth <laughs> with reasonable expectations? Uh, have you um, done all the planning so that I know you come prepared and can tell me what you're gonna, like we mentioned before, how many people are you gonna uh, think you're gonna need so that we can set the correct expectations and budget and uh, and all of the things that will need to be planned out. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of things that you can do. I haven't been a scout myself, and I, from what I understand, it's it's uh, awesome, but also a pretty big job and uh, so many interesting people that you get to talk to. So um, maybe in the future, I'll, I'll get some more experience within that. Well, I think being a producer will serve you really well in that regard because... Uh, what I would say here, and one of the reasons I was bringing this question is that, again, talking different scouts, uh, 
the assessment process is by no means uh, codified into some sort of formula. In fact, it's 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 almost. Uh, I had a couple of ideas for like analogies. One of them was like going to a job interview, uh, and you wouldn't go into a job interview without like three at least three answers to. Can you tell me about a time that you had a really difficult problem to solve at work and didn't know what to do? Right, because you wouldn't walk in without three answers, and and you ought not walk into your pitch meeting without at least two or three answers to the sort of questions that you think you're going to get for your game. And you'll also have to have some read of your, what are the priorities, uh, sort of like Mario was talking about with, uh, with vendors, you know, what are the priorities? What are they good at? What are they, what are they looking for? But in this case, um, it's like, what is the priority of the publisher or investor you're looking at? An investor will probably be very bottom line oriented. So it'll be really great to have a little more information about audience, demographic, size and scope, who your intended audience is for your game. Again, this you might think here, hearing that, that I'm going against what I was saying about don't tell me the business. Don't, don't, don't tell them the business and how much money they're going to make, but do show that you know where the money is to be made and where the space is to go. Uh, for someone that's more uh, artistic and, and uh, games are art inclined, such as like a raw fury, make sure that you're able to really show a, a really powerful, creative game development, a game design that is going to be something that uh, that players will go like, "Wow, you remember that game we played? That was amazing!" I mean, I can't believe we got to play Norco. Like, who who makes that game? Um, and the way to get to that, to give you, if you're listening, some ideas, think about what uh, do your homework means. One of the greatest parts of the game development community is how self-supporting it is like we all work together with each other we're going to see each other for the next i mean i've been doing this for a couple of years so we see each other all the time and, and we're really supportive for one another and especially if you're in the indie space don't hesitate to reach out to the developer of a game that uh is published by a publisher you want to pitch to and say hey you pitched to them what were they interested in like what were their tells what were were they were they super hot to see some great visual presentation were they worried about uh, what the addressable audience is? Did they care about genre fit for their catalog? They get those things all lined up and give yourself a number of different answers. And that way, when you do get to the to the actual pitch meeting, you can almost think of the uh, inevitable slide that you have to display as just sort of a, a, a sort of a I don't know a, a menu of items that you might choose from to pick which pieces are the right ones to show. You know, here we're going to talk about business some, but I need to know which ones I'm going to figure out on the way there, on the way to putting that slide up, which ones are important, and pull those out. Uh, because if you can show that you can do that, that's going to, it's going to be able to give you the best fighting chance to get into sort of the second tier of assessment from the scout. I mean, that's really, that's really what you're trying to get to, by the way. At, at the, what you're trying to get through in your first pitch if you're trying to get to the second type stage of, of, of assessment, because we're getting so many pitches, that the key thing is to uh, condense it into the right things that get past our first filter, so you get into the second phase. That that's a great great advice, and maybe I wanted to still comment on the market research, uh, which uh, might be a bit fuzzy uh, for uh, especially uh, some indie developers. So um, uh, while you are thinking about your demographic or your target audience. 
it's never a good idea to guess or base your <laughs> kind of the target audience expectations to things like, okay, like um, we have dragons, so this is going to be a game for a male audience uh, from 16 to 40 years old. Uh, but try to um, portray it so that, okay, this is a fantasy genre game. Uh, there's plenty of free resources out there, even e- even by Googling things, uh, reports and such, uh, which showcase which uh, genres are popular in which countries, in which age groups. So try to do the research also uh, and base uh, what you are claiming into some real data out there and uh, try to uh, justify also on uh, the things that uh, make you feel that, hey, this is going to be a, a great hit game. And you can do that without a huge budget as well, just based on the uh, the industry standard uh, data. Strong advice. Yeah. yeah, really good advice. And there should be, we're, I know the industry and people in the industry are working on producing more numbers and, and trying to figure out, uh, like, Svenska Dataspelsbranschen, uh, the Swedish, uh, yeah, they, they're working on putting together data uh, and uh, it's still missing in a few areas, but I think we're going to get there and really utilize that as helping both when I guess in development and, and doing research for pitches and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it will be really interesting to see, to see all more data in the future. But as you said, it's, uh, it's good to highlight why I what I think I have that makes this um, worthwhile and something that's not like every other game. Why am I so passionate about it? Why do I think this is the next thing? Or um, yeah, highlight your your great features and not, not be like, yeah, it's the same as this game, but it's called this and it has a different aesthetic. So that's, that's actually a really great point to go back, call back to the very first one of mistakes. Don't name check all the great games that have come out in the last three years. We know them. You know them. We all know them. Uh, and also, don't line your comp up with the game that sold 15 million copies because, yes, we all know there are edge cases out there. Show us that you have a real good grasp of like what a reasonably attainable like space would be, the good comps. And But at the same time, don't be doing the exact same thing. You know, I, 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 There was a time there where we saw quite a few Slay the Spires. I totally agree. And uh, yeah, like you are not pitching their game, you are pitching your game. So so don't reference too much to the, you know, hit titles out there. It's, this is about your your title and why why it's, it's so cool. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting and and fun. I love talking to people and hearing um like once I got the amazing opportunity to be a judge at Gotland Game Conference. And just walking around. I mean, I'm learning so many things from talking to people as well, even though they're like, I have questions and then I understand a completely different point of view than I had in the beginning. And just for me as well, to be able to be in a situation where I come up with these questions because I generally have them, obviously, as I'm going around. And a lot of the questions could be, how come you choose this as your main input when the game is about this? And why did you think that was the best means of input? And um, which also made me realize like, oh yeah, well, design-wise and listening to them explain and some obviously uh, had just chosen it because they thought it was cool and some had really good explanations and 
it also allowed me to think, hmm, what would I do and what input would I have chosen if, if, if it was input, for example. And that also made me realize that, yeah, you're, this is an ex- almost an exact copy of another game and you can't tell me why, why I should play this. I just don't feel interested at all because I can already tell because I've seen it before, which is unfortunate because it might not be, but that's what you're telling me and what I'm seeing uh, from the start. So it's not going to make me want to engage and, and make me more interested and uh yeah you definitely go to gotland game conference sometimes if you have run the turret because there's a lot of crazy games and really fun interesting inputs uh and a great learning space and just well any other game where there's a lot of game developers talk to them ask them questions why they chose this and that or did this and like you say just we're peers like talk to each other don't be scared to reach out most of the time everyone's really nice and love to help out and just are excited to talk about the, their favorite favorite subject as well. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a passion driven industry. So everyone's passionate about it. So everyone wants to to talk about it. So no, and that's nice. Mm-hmm. So it's a good reminder that we all make mistakes. I, I'm I'm sure Garnet and Naomi, <laughs> I'm speaking on their behalf as well. So yeah. I don't be afraid to make mistakes as well. That's a, that's the way how you learn. So uh, you know, like we. we we are we are here to ponder these big questions with you, <laughs> listeners. So, uh, so uh, it, it's it's a great industry. Um, enjoy it. Um, make great games. Uh, and can't wait to see what the, uh, what kind of cool ideas are coming coming out in the coming years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Imposter syndrome is real, and <laughs> you kind of learn to accept Maybe. it. And everyone has it. <laughs> That's so true. So true. Okay, uh, I guess I get a, a sort of semi last word. I would say be encouraged because you're pitching because your audience wants to see your game. You're not actually pitching to an enemy. So, but while we've talked about all these mistakes and things you might do wrong, be enthusiastic and excited because at the end of the day, the reason you're there is because you're making really cool creative content, and the people you're talking to are looking for really cool creative content. And hopefully, you're going to meet up and uh, have a good time making some stuff together. Nice. Yeah. Lovely. So, um, so before we end the podcast today, I just want to say thank you so much um, to our guests for sharing their thoughts in the conversation today. Um, and just as a little reminder, we have Garnet uh, from Amplify Game Invest, uh, Naomi, uh, formerly from Kind of Brave, and then Murray uh, from Moonloot, uh, a Netflix studio. If you are hiring for new roles within gaming or you're looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message as well. So I'm Melanie and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at melanie.lindsay at evolution-nordics.com or you can visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash FE. Thank you again to all of our guests. So thank you guys for listening and we hope that you can join us again next time.